Well, good morning. It's so good to see all of you. Um, I don't know about you, but I love watching the Skit Guys videos. Most of them are funny, but um, the serious ones seem to get me even a little bit more so. Uh, I'm Jared Grantham. I'm the youth pastor uh, here at Whitley Church in the Bridge. And while Pastor Farrell is enjoying his vacation, he left us all here in the cool weather. But how many of you would take that over the summer heat? No, that's right. So uh, it's just a privilege to be here speaking with you this morning. Uh, how many of you are, are followers of the news? You, you watch the news like my grandparents all the time. Watch... Okay, so no, like six people this is going to relate to. Great. So <laughs> I don't know if you heard, maybe you listened to talk radio, but um, this past week, one of the stories that made the headlines was about the zookeeper in Ohio who let all the animals go. How many of you heard about that? Okay, so it, for those of you that didn't, we'll just kind of catch up to speed real quick. Uh, this, this guy who had, um, you know, lions and tigers and bears. Man, you guys are good. And you're awake. Um, so he let all these animals go and uh, then proceeded to commit suicide, which is obviously a horrible thing. But uh, all the animals were running around and uh, the police and the wild animal protection, whatever they're called. They're uh, trying to round them all up and, you know, bring them back all in, you know, in. And uh, they had all of them captured except there was a, a grizzly bear, a monkey, and I think like a lion. And um, they ended up thinking that the monkey got eaten by the lion. So that took care of two of them. And then they found the grizzly bear and then they found the lion. So anyway, they all got killed or captured. And, um, but I was thinking what it must be like to be one of those zookeepers or, or be somebody who tames or trains or works with wild animals. If you've ever been to like a circus or a Ringling Brothers or Barnum and Bailey or, or something like that, and you've seen these lions and, and all these ferocious wild animals that are, are captive, that people work hand in hand with, you know, they do these tricks, they jump on the balls and they can like, you know, they, they have all these animals that they work with. I mean, even in movies, there's a couple of movies where uh, some, some grizzly bears, they brought them in and like the grizzly bears could act. And, you know, it took a lot of time and patience, but to be that person to work and train those wild animals must be a little bit scary. You know, like, what do you do? I work with grizzly bears, you know, or, or, or I, I, I train uh, lions to do tricks. So I, I just got to thinking about all these things, and I've never really trained any type of animals in my life. I've, um, I, I had, or well, had two dogs, one now, and um, that's kind of the, as far as it goes for me, as far as training animals. And, uh, and I'll just go ahead and tell you up front, it didn't really last um, that long for me. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, my dog, who we've had for about six years, um, still hasn't made it to my house yet. Uh, he lives at my parents. And um, <laughs> so I'm thankful that, you know, they, they watch them. But um, <clears throat> how many of you have dogs? <clears throat> All right. How many of you have cats? So sorry. <laughs> I love what this one pastor, he was talking about how, you know, what it must have been like for Adam, who was having to name the animals in the garden. And it's like God comes to him and is like, all right, Adam, so here's, here's the deal. I want, you to, I want you to name, I want you to give a name to all the animals. And, and Adam's like, okay, 
He's like, you think you can do it? And Adam's like, yeah, sure. And he says, you know, I could just see it now. Adam's standing here. God brings out the animal. He says, just as they run across and they stop in front of you, just whatever comes to mind, just, you know, call it out. It's like, okay. So he's standing there, you know, and it's like, boom, 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 boom. And he's like, hmm, elephant. He's like, okay, all right. He's feeling good. The next one, um, dog. Yes, all right. Man, he's like, man, he's pumped up. He's feeling good. It's like, um, rhinoceros. He's like, really? A rhinoceros, Adam? Hey, it's what came to mind. Next animal comes, um, <clears throat> duck billed platypus. You know, I don't know. <laughs> And so he's sitting there going along. He's like, oh, he's feeling good. He's feeling pumped up. And then finally, it's like, cat. God goes, well, I didn't make that. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, the, the ESM students always make fun of me because I pick on cats. And um, I'm going to get an email, I'm sure, after church about picking on cats. But I just want, if you're going to send it, I just want to make sure you have the correct email address. It's F-E-R-R-E-L-L at WhitleyChurch.com. So, so uh, let me just tell you a little bit. Um, my experience with, with training uh, a dog, we have Roxy and we have Muggsy, and Roxy was the crazy one to the point where she was so crazy, we ended up taking her back to where we bought her from and uh, kept her for a week. And we called the guy after like a week and we felt bad and we wanted her back. And so he's like, I, I, she escaped. And so if she comes back, we'll call you. And she's just wild and crazy. Then we have Muggsy, who's like the lazy, super, won't do anything except want to get his back rubbed and scratched. Maybe that's like your dog. And uh, he eats everything in sight. Just that's all he does. He's, a, he's like a 55-pound English bulldog. He's just nothing but fat. And... Um, he, we left him in the garage one time and we had had this coffee pot that was sitting in there and we went out there and he was going, and we were like, what in the world? And he goes, and he had eaten the, the cord off the coffee pot, copper wiring, rubber and all, just like, you know, spit it back out. And so, but you know, I remember in my life, I've tried, and I, again, I say it wasn't very long, I've tried to train my dogs at some point. Some of you have done the same thing. And, and what I remember about that experience and that time was I got so frustrated. I got so upset and mad because it's like I was speaking German or Chinese and they were just looking at me like, you're stupid. You know, they're just looking at you like, what are you doing? And I remember, you know, being like, sit and, you know, lay down and using food and, and rubbing them and backing up. And then they'd come toward me like, no, 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 stay. And, and I just, I got super, super frustrated. I mean, I just want them to do things that, you know, normal dogs would do for you. Sit, lay down, roll over, get the neighbor's paper. Um, you know, fix the glass of sweet tea but but they they just didn't seem to listen and and for whatever reason I was like I just you know I give up I, I'm, I'm not a successful pet trainer and some of you um are and some of you have been but it was hard work and it was difficult for me trying to train these and I want to call them well Roxy maybe a wild animal but these animals for me and and as I thought about these things and as we talk about the passage of Scripture this morning, I can't help but to, to, this puts it into perspective for me, is that James and Jesus both speak 
on a specific issue and thing that we as people strive every single day and should strive for, but just can't seem to comprehend and wrap ourselves around understanding how to tame and train our tongue that speaks to those that we love and those that we come in contact with. And for some of us, we are still trying. We've been trying and and it's difficult. Some of us have gotten it wrapped around a little bit easier. We understand about the words we speak and, and how they affect us and those that we speak them to. But even so, we still sometimes lash out no matter how many times we've come to church, no matter how many times we read our Bible, no matter how many times we pray, we still seem to lash out and allow this thing that's in our mouth to speak these words that hurt and we just can't seem to tame it, to train it into what we want it to be. So as we look this morning, I want you to turn with me to the book of James chapter three as we talk about how we give life through our words. I don't know about you, but there are so many times in my life where I wish I had a control Z function on my mouth. For some of you that aren't computer gurus, maybe if you're a Mac user, it's command Z. But if you don't know your shortcuts on your keyboard, that is the function that you use to undo the last thing that you previously typed. And I remember, you know, times in my life where something came in my mouth and I was like, wish that I could just like grab it and put it back in, you know? Or if I had the, the keyboard, I'd be like, control Z, control Z, control Z, and just undo everything I just said because I knew that the words that I spoke were gonna have a, a direct impact and were gonna cause some bad things to happen. How many of you, uh, um, that's me, right? Identify. You wish you had a DVR? that you could just like pause it, rewind it back to what just happened and then play it over, repeat it, and you would totally, you know, change what you just said. You know, some of you uh, may experience that on the way to church this morning. You wish you said some things you just wish you could have, you know, come on and put back in. And it's funny that Pastor Andy was up here talking because I thought he had just like read my notes, but then I was like, oh, well, maybe that's a sign that that's what I'm supposed to speak on because that's what he was talking about before. So let's look at James chapter three as we talk about our responsibilities as Christians and people and how we're supposed to give life with our words. Verse, we're gonna start chapter three, verse one. And it says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, obviously this hit a little bit of a, a, a uh, nerve for me because uh, I'm kind of standing up here in, right now and, uh, and teaching, and some of you have done the same. You may be an impact um, leader or a small group leader or ranger leader, or you may just um, lead a Bible study, or, or it could be with your, your kids as you teach them as they grow up how to be a better person, how to be a Christian once they've accepted Christ. And, and James is saying, You know, those of you who have authority and teach are gonna be judged more strictly than others. In other words, the words that you speak to influence people, Jesus says, I'm gonna look at you differently from those people who don't leverage and have the influence over others. 
And as I was doing some background and research, it was talking about how so many people in, in G, um, Jesus and, and James' time wanted to be a teacher because they were looked at and held to this higher standard. They were looked at as important. And, and he was talking about all these people who would just you know, want to become a teacher of the law because it would you know, make them look better. And James is saying, not every person is meant to be a teacher. Not every person is meant to stand in front of people and, and, and that's their gift, that's their spiritual gift in leading them and discipling them. And I, I taught school for three years to high school students. A lot of prayer while that was going on. And I remember going every day thinking, you know what, the words that I speak, I can't take a day back. I can't get a day back. So, you know, what I don't give them in this time, it's like I'm making up for it. And I remember as a, as a first year teacher, this pressure that was put upon me about how my students will perform on the EOC test or the EOGs. And that's pretty much how well your kid can answer a multiple choice question test. That's what it is. And so I, this, this pressure, you know, that's all people talk about, level threes and level fours, which is scores that they receive. And then the county looks at it and go, okay, this teacher had 80% level threes and four, you know, they're doing a good job, while this teacher had 30%. And, and that's all we ever heard, and that's all that was ever talked about. And so you as a teacher were judged according to how well your students could answer a multiple choice question test. Not whether or not you were a good teacher, but that was just the way it is. And there was this, you know, frustration. And so they would take all these people and they would um, give out these awards at the end of the year. And we would stand up there in a line and they gave us a trophy about that tall, you know. And I got, you know, I, I had good scores. And, and the people who didn't would just, you know, sit out there and clap. And we would stand up here in this row and it was like you were, you were being judged by what you did for those students who you came in contact with every day. And James, he, he's talking about how the, the words that we use, and I'm just gonna say, those of you that have children that are teaching them, you know, we're, we're asking ourselves, what are we teaching our, our children? He's saying that you have the power to guide them and direct them into the paths that are in front of them. And you need to be so cautious with the words that you use around them because they take them to heart. Verse two, he says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Those of you who have ridden horses, you know what this means. It's a, a metal piece that goes inside their mouth and the reins attached to it. And as you pull to the right and to the left, it guides the horse in direction. And James is saying that's the way our tongue is. When we speak, it guides us. It leads us down paths that we either choose or not to choose to go down. And, and I have to say that as he talks about this, one thought came to mind for me when he said horse and you know, they always talk about the, your first experience. And my first experience on a horse was a really bad one. Uh, some friends asked me to go riding. They didn't give me any instructions or no manual or, or anything. They just, you know, like, we're supposed to go ride horses. And, and there was this horse, they were like, you should ride him. He didn't, get to, he didn't get ridden very much. 
which should have been indication number one. <laughs> number two, I said, well, what's his name? I'm not making this up. The name of the horse was Chance. I mean, really, put the new guy on the horse called Chance. And, and so number three, he's just like, all right, it's, it's easy, you know, just, and I remember putting my foot into the stirrup and throwing my leg over, and you would have thought that when my right leg went into the next stirrup that a gun had gone off and the gate had opened, and this horse thought he was in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> and he proceeds to run as fast as he can in one direction. And again, I'm the new guy on the horse. I didn't get any instructions. I didn't know what the reins are. I'm holding on to the saddle for dear life. And he's running as fast as he can. And they're yelling in the distance because by now I'm like a quarter mile away. And he's running as fast as he can towards the house. And it doesn't look like he's going to change directions at any point. And they're yelling something and, and I'm trying to listen. And they're going, pull back, pull back. Because those of you that know, when you grab onto the reins and pull back, the bit in the horse's mouth controls whether or not he stops. And so as he's, I mean, this I'm like this coming towards his house. I mean, like, surely the horse isn't blind too and sees this large structure in front of us. And as he runs, again, I pull back with everything that I have and the bit pulls into the horse's mouth and he stops, but he, he doesn't just stop. He proceeds to rear up on his hind leg. And so here I am like this and he goes back down and then takes off the other direction towards the fence. Toward, I'm not making, true story, towards the fence. And I'm like, if it worked once, it's gonna work again. I pull back again, the bit in the mouth, pulls on the horse, horse stops, raises up, comes down and stops. And I take that, this is my cue. You learned from the first time, it's not gonna happen again. Cause if I stay on this horse, I get hurt. It's totally my fault now. So I jump off the side of the horse and then the horse just looks at me like, oh, you're so stupid. And I'm sitting there in front of this horse, looking at him, and he's now, he's just proceeding to eat grass, and they go, are you okay? And I'm like, you know, my pride, heart's beating, adrenaline's pumping, and, and I go over there, and they're like, he's fine, he's, he's, he's good. I'm like, I am not touching the horse. They're like, grab the reins and walk him back over here. I'm like, not touching the horse. I don't care if he runs into the woods and never see him again. It's your horse, it's not my horse. And the horses, they're like, come on, come on. I'm like, no. So they came and got the horse and guided him back. They walked, they're like, are you gonna, you gonna ride him? I'm like, I ain't getting on that horse for nothing. They're like, come on. And they were like, we, we want you to ride. They begged me, begged me. They're like, okay, we've got another horse for you. And I, and I was just waiting, debating. I was like, well, what's his name? And they, true story. They said, his name's Wimp. It's like, sounds like a plan. <laughs> but, but, but you know, as I think about that, that bit controlled that horse. If I wanted that horse to go right, if I'd have stuck with it, he would have gone right by pulling on the bit and left and, and, and to pull back, causing him to stop. And he's talking about that our tongue, the words that we speak have the ability to control us, to take us where we want to go. And had it not been for that bit in that mouth, I don't know where I, if I would be standing here today, honestly. He goes on to say in verse four, he said, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder 
wherever the pilot wants to go. When you compare the size of the rudder on the back of the boat, we went on a cruise last year, in comparison to the ship, it is super, super small. I think when I looked up, the, the largest um, ship was like the USS France at, at this was, you know, I don't know how updated that was, but it was like 74,000 tons. And then when you compared the size of the rudder, it was like less than 1% of the ship. But because of that, it's able to steer this ship into the direction that the pilot wants it to go. And James is saying, don't underestimate the power of your tongue and where you want to go and where you want those that you have influence or around to go. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body and makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. That's pretty strong words, isn't it? That our tongue, it, it, it sets fire, it's itself set on fire by hell. When you look at the power of words, all you have to do is look at those who were in the media. Saddam Hussein, Osama bin Laden, Gaddafi, Hitler, because of the words that they spoke, were able to control thousands, millions of people, all because of the tongue. It says all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Isn't it interesting that elephants, these huge animals, Think about, again, the zookeeper who's able to keep these animals captive. James is saying, all of these big things you can tame, but the tongue, no man by himself can tame or train the tongue. And some of you this morning may have been trying to tame your tongue, your mouth, the words you speak on your own, and it just doesn't seem to be working because here's the reason why. You can't do it by yourself. Only Christ through you and Christ inside of you can train and tame your tongue. He says, it continues on in verse eight. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Think about that. Every person here, the person to your left and to your right right now is made in God's image. Your wife, your husband, your kids have all been made in God's likeness. But if we come here on Sundays and Wednesday or the bridge on Thursdays and Saturdays and we lift our hands and we stand here in our, in our rows and we praise God and we speak praises and glorify his name and then go home or get in the car and curse or, or tear down or, or um, destroy the people that we love with our tongue. We're destroying God because he, they were created in his image. You can leave here this morning and have just the most awesome experience and you can, you can go, man, that was a great message. And you'll get out here on Highway 70 and somebody's gonna cut you off on the way or catch, this happens to me every Sunday. 
catch the stop light at 581 three times in a row and you wanna just speak these words out because it's a constant thing, it's a constant, it's a daily battle that we face in controlling our tongue. And this, this is why Jesus and James play such importance because they knew that no matter how hard we try, we can leave church with the most awesome experience and still get out here and battle with this every single day. Just a note that I wrote that I thought was good and I shared it with Amanda and she was like, I don't know if she was listening. So I rewrote it again. And uh, it says, you know, if our relationships were like grass, our words can be like Roundup and destroy everything that they fall upon from the inside all the way to the outside. He says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James is saying the very thing that we speak, the name of God, in the name of Jesus with is the same thing that we use to tear down, destroy, and to sow discord, and to gossip, and to lie, and to blaspheme his name. So we think about the words every day that we speak to our kids. If they were to take those and model those words, what would their lives be like in 10 years? If, if you were looked at as a model based on the words that you speak to them, how will they grow up? How will they act? How are we teaching our, our children to deal with conflict? As a rule between Amanda and I, I mean, we have a four-month-old and she's just awesome. She sleeps like 12 hours a night. I think she's woken up like two times since we've had her she's just like the greatest baby but one of the things that we um have said is you know when we're with her if there's a disagreement that we have we're not gonna to have that in front of her even at at an early age that's just a practice that we've put on and there and I, I think there might have been one time that I recall where you know, we were talking about, you know, had a disagreement on something and, and she was in the car and she was just like, you know, let's just, let's not do this right now. Let's, we'll talk about it later because the words that we're talking as spouses in front of our children, our, our kids are gonna model that behavior as they get older. How you treat your employees or those that you come in contact with, you're looked at if, if they know you're a Christian and those words are taken literally. They're taught how to, to respect authority. If we come here on church on Sunday, you know, isn't it so funny? And, and we're gonna look at this picture in a second on the screen, but it's so funny how we can come all the way to church like Pastor Andy said and have this like argument or, or disagreement and walk out of the door and it's like a magical thing. Your foot touches the church parking lot and all of a sudden everything's better. Yes, I'm doing great, brother. It's good to see you. I mean, do you ever walk down the church? There may be a couple, and if there are, you might try to avoid them. But when you say, how are you doing this morning? What do most people say? 
fine, I'm doing great. When they're like, man, we just had a knockdown drag out on the way to here. You know, I tell you, if they were honest, I could slap my husband right now. He is just the, you know, but we come to church and it's like, oh, I'm doing great. And we get back in the car. And, and as soon as we put that last one in and shut the door, it's like, game on, baby. You know, we got, we got to put this little facade, this mask on when we come to church. And, um, you know, you think about the words that are spoken and your ki- what, what are you modeling for your kids when you get back and go, can you believe what that girl was wearing today? Man, can you believe so-and-so and so-and-so? This is what I heard. And so they, they develop this, um, this mentality that this is how it's supposed to be. So we have to be so careful with the words that we speak. You know, I've heard so many stories from parents being in youth ministry about how their kid was just so sweet they were just the best kid, and I'm like, are you, we, are we sure you had the same kid? They go from like this Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde thing, this, this, this transformation, and they go, I don't understand it. They argue all the time, and, the, and they, they talk back to me now. They don't listen, and they don't respect me. I mean, we, I've had set counseling sessions with parents. They say, I don't even know where this is coming. I don't know who they got this from. And I want to go. It's the first time I've opened one of these. I didn't know if I was going to get it or not. <laughs> and, and a couple of people, and I'm not saying this to be mean, but come to mind, and I go, you know, I've got to be honest with you. Because you're modeling that in front of them, the words that they speak, the arguments and the respect issue, I have a feeling that it probably came from those that are there around the most. I remember when about four or five years ago, I walked into the game room at the carpenter's house and there was a Royal Ranger kid, he's about nine years old at the time. And I walked in just on the tail end of this and a kid had hit him with a pull stick on accident apparently. And I couldn't believe my ears because when I walked in, I didn't know that you could put those words in combination together to fit. That makes sense. He had a creative mind and these words were coming out and I was like, a nine-year-old, I mean, just adjectives and nouns and action verbs and all these things were just, you know, flowing together. And he didn't know I was behind him and he turned around and he was like, you know, just, just gave me this look and I thought, where did this come from? Where does a nine-year-old hear these words? And then it hit me who the parents were and the things that I've heard them speak. And I thought, our words, these, our kids, they take them at face value. We have to be so careful about how we use our tongue. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter 12, he says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. This could be a whole sermon series in itself. But you think about it. If the fruit that you bear don't represent Christianity. If the fruit that you bear doesn't represent God. The question may be really. There may be a problem with the tree. 
You can't say you're a Christian if you don't bear the fruit of Christ. I'll say it again. You can't say that you're a Christian and you don't bear any fruit of Jesus Christ. Don't say you love Jesus if you can't treat your wife with decency. If all of the fruit that you bear is old and rotten, then maybe the tree is rotten or dead. Verse 34 says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The words that we speak are overflowing out of what's inside of our heart. I heard another pastor who was talking about, so many times we try to fix our words and what we say. It's like we're trying to put a filter between what we're thinking and what we're speaking when the whole time the problem is the engine, it's the heart that's running in itself. And we don't need to get a new filter, we need to get a new heart. He says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Every empty word that we speak, Jesus says we will give an account of on the day of judgment. And those casual conversations that really don't mean a whole lot to us that may be full of perversion, that may be full of gossip, we will give an account for the words that we speak because there's power in the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. How are we giving life with our tongue or are we giving death? We were at a, a photography workshop this past week and there was a couple from Montana and he was telling a story about how important it was to affirm your clients and build your clients up. And he, he, he hit this and as soon as I read this passage, passages of scripture, um, this last one, it just, it just rung a bell to what he said to me last week. He said he was sitting there and he was doing a, a portrait session for a county commissioner, someone who was running for a county commissioner in their town in Montana. And he said they were sitting there and as soon as the lady, her, 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 as soon as she sat down in the seat, he said, I noticed she became very, very uneasy. And I asked her, I said, are you okay? And, and she said, yeah, I'm okay. And he said, I, I proceeded to get my equipment and I was getting my lighting stuff set up and I could tell she was just very, very uncomfortable. And she was kind of fidgeting around and I said, are you sure you're okay? And he said, she looked at me and she said, you know, the last time that I sat in this seat was when I was in high school and the photographer told me, you just don't have a face for photography, do you? And here's a lady who 40 years later had taken what one person had said because there's power in the tongue to speak life or to speak death and she carried this on for 40 years. And this guy probably never thought it was a big deal. He didn't think it was that important. He probably never thought since then what he said but it, it, it affected her. And she carried that with her. I heard another pastor 
He said him and his wife were having an argument. They were arguing back and forth and back and forth. And he asked her the question. He said, what do you want me to do? And she said, I want you to treat me like you treat the people at church. And he said after that, he just broke down and he just started crying because he realized that the people that he is supposed to love and those that really aren't even that important to him, he doesn't even treat his wife with that same decency. As parents, how are we speaking life into our kids? As bosses, are we speaking life into our employees? As husbands, are we speaking life to our wives? Wives, are you speaking life into your husband? Are you speaking life to your family members, your in-laws? My in-laws are gonna be here second service, I think, so I am speaking life to them. Are we giving life or death with our words? Are we continue to just ignore what Matthew and James said and go on like the people in this video? So our words, are they giving life? Are they giving death? As we close, I just wanna ask you guys If everybody took the words that we said to heart and they modeled those, what would those people look like? Maybe you're here this morning and you can identify with the county commissioner that words that were spoken and poured into your life even have effect on you now. So many years later, I want you to know that this morning there is freedom in Jesus Christ for you and we're gonna have the altars open and our prayer team's gonna be here and we would love to talk with you and to pray with you. Maybe you're here this morning and it's identified, it's hit home for you and that you need to be more cautious and careful for how you speak to those that you love. Maybe you're here this morning and as we looked at the passage and as we talked about the fruit, maybe you looked at your life you don't really see the fruit of Jesus Christ. I want us to pray together and I want to ask you if you knew that today were your last day, the fruit that you bear right now, do you know for sure that you would spend eternity in heaven? You know for sure that you would spend the rest of your life with Jesus Christ. So I want us to pray together as we close. And I want you to just ask, as you pray, Jesus, what kind of fruit am I bearing? And where in my life do I need to control my tongue? So let's pray. Father, just ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts this morning. You would challenge us in each area, Lord, where we fail. We understand that it's a daily battle and that without you and our lives, there is no way that we could ever control our tongue. There's no possible way that we can do this on our own and that we need you, God. We don't need just a filter, God. We need a heart change. Lord, and I pray for every man 
every woman, every teenager, every boy, every girl this morning, that next time when we come and face-to-face in confrontation, that we would remember that the words that we're fixing to speak, we can't take them back. There's no control Z function on our words. The damage is done, and then after that, we're trying to repair and restore. Let us not tear down, but build those up in our lives. And for those that have taken the words at face value, and have believed him in their lives. God, I pray that this morning they would find freedom in Jesus Christ to allow that pain, maybe bitterness and anger to go through Jesus Christ and the cross. Now, I just wanna ask you guys this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, how many of you in here would say that you are just not really barren the fruit of Jesus this morning. Maybe you've never asked him into your life. Maybe you've never asked him into your heart. I can't think that we would have a service and for you to come this morning and not give you the chance to accept him and receive him, to change your life forever. If you're here this morning and you say, I want to know Jesus Christ. I've been putting it off for a while. Maybe I've, I've run from him for a long time now, but today... I want to turn back. I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to repeat after me. And then I want, after the service, I want you to come up and tell us and tell every person you know. I want you to say, Jesus Christ, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. And I ask you, Lord, to come into my heart, to come into my life, and to be the ruler. I ask, Lord, that you would wash me from my sins and that this moment on I would live for you and bear the fruit of you for the rest of my life on earth. Forgive me, God, for where I've fallen you. Today, I make a commitment to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is the biggest thing you would ever do in your life. I want you to be so bold this morning to say that I prayed that and that from this point on, I'm gonna bear the fruit of Jesus Christ and I asked him into my heart. Would anybody say that they were bold enough to pray that prayer and lift up your hand right now with every head bowed and every eye closed? Did anybody say, I prayed that prayer? I see that hand, see that hand. Can we just give God praise this morning for those that raise their hand? So as we leave now, it's where the rubber meets the road. How are we gonna give life with our words? I don't wanna disrupt what God is doing. Maybe those of you want to come down and pray, our prayer team will be here. God bless you guys. Don't forget about the play tonight. It's me again, starting at, I believe at five o'clock. We love you. We'll see you next week.